Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast with me, Molly Herford on Feisty Media. So we've been all about marketing yourself this March, and I'm so excited about today's guest. We have Linda Biggs of Get Joni, or Just Joni, uh, which is actually one of the coolest uh, period care companies I have ever seen. Their branding, their marketing, just everything about them is just so, so freaking cool, for lack of a better term. And it was so much fun talking to her about not just the how she started the business and got into it, but also specifically, how do you market something that is such an awkward topic to talk about? And it's great that we're getting better at talking about it, but you know, it still is stigmatized, especially when you're talking about being really vocal on social media and having people posting their experiences with something like a pad or a tampon, right? So I thought it was just such a fun conversation from everything down to what colors they chose in the marketing and the branding to just how you get people talking about something like this. So I think there's just so much to learn from this, whether you're in something very similar where it is kind of an awkward thing. I'm thinking about stuff like chamois creams and things like that, or even pelvic floor therapy. Uh, but then even even stuff that's just not as uh, sexy as something, you know, really fun, like a cool t-shirt or a jersey or whatever. If you're talking about more just basic coaching, you know, that's a little bit trickier to market. And you it's harder to kind of think through what images you're going to use for that, similar to something like period care, where you're just like, what images can I possibly use? And how can I make sure that this is open to everyone and people are seeing themselves in this? So Linda answers all of those questions. So this is just such a really enlightening episode. I highly, highly recommend giving it two listens. I definitely did. And before we get into the episode, I just wanted to quickly give a shout out to Brenda Smith, who was on back in February talking all about finances. She really made a huge impact on me with a lot of her more mindset-based stuff, but also a lot of her very practical uh, tax and business setup advice. So if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely go back and check it out. And she actually just launched a course, Get Fit With Your Finances. Uh, so you can find that over at brendajsmithcompany.getlearnworlds.com. I'll include a link to that in the show notes. And she's doing a live session on March 29th. So if you are interested, definitely check it out and consider signing up before then, especially if you have really specific questions that you want to ask a financial expert. Uh, I've taken a couple of the sessions already, and there is so much good information in there. So definitely worth checking out. Not sponsored at all. Just think Brenda's doing a really good job trying to enlighten a lot of us on how to deal with the ins and outs of finances for our small businesses, especially in the fitness world. That's what she's tailored it to. So I think for a lot of my listeners here, I know you're all kind of in that business startup phase. So this is a really, really good way to figure out some of the nitty gritty finance stuff that frankly sucks, but has to be done. All right, let's get into the really fun stuff, picking colors, doing our marketing, figuring out how to make the most of our messaging. Enjoy this conversation with Linda Biggs. Linda, hi. Welcome to the Business Hello. of Fitness podcast. I'm so excited to have you here to talk all about Joni and just the the journey of Joni, <laughs> which is amazing alliteration. So hi, how's it going? <laughs> Good. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super pumped to be here and chat with you. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting um entrepreneurship journey to get into this this part of women's health because I mean if there's one aspect of, you know, women's stuff that we don't talk about that often or you know, it just it hasn't been cute or nice. It's always just been kind of this like product on the shelf. 
mm. in menstrual stuff. So, mm-hmm. so excited that you have Joni. So give us the, the background. How did you end up coming to this? Have you always been entrepreneurial? Like this is, this isn't just like going, you know, starting like a small company. This is starting what I'm going to call a revolution. Aww. <laughs> well, so I started my career c- corporate, like full on. I had student loans coming out of um, university and I was like, I have to work to figure out what I want to do and pay those bills off. And I always thought the corporate path was for me, um, you know, get a promotion, get a bigger salary, get a promotion, get a bigger salary. And I quickly realized that it was just, I wasn't fulfilled. I moved a lot of jobs, um, you know, one thing to the other. I always was led with my curiosity. So I was always like, is this really fulfilling me? Am I feeling like I'm making an impact? And so that led me to a bunch of different roles. And um, eventually I started working with female entrepreneurs because that's where I felt most inspired through a journey of, you know, project management, computer science, um, a backend web developer. Um, And it was during that time when I realized like my whole past experience, it was a bucket of different things, but all of that bucket helped me think through problems in a different way. So when I had the opportunity to start Joni, I thought, how interesting would it be to apply all of this mismatch of skills that I have and build something that I feel is missing in this market as a natural consumer. Um, And the biggest moment for me was when we were thinking through Joni and the brand and and just the business in general was I, you know, average person menstruates over 400 times in their life. And so I've menstruated over 300 times in my life at that time because I launched when I was 40. And I resonated more with a shoe brand than I did with any menstrual care product on the market. And I thought, why? Because this is such an intimate product. This is such an important thing. Like, why is that? And I realized that it was because of the commodity-based, you know, hyper-feminine branding that we were always told, like, just deal with it, grab what you need, tuck it away in the bathroom, keep it in the shadows. And I was like, no, we're going to bring this into the light we're going to make this counter worthy. We're going to talk about it because it's time. So that's how I landed here. I love it. And I love it from sort of two angles. And we're going to start with more of the aesthetics first and then get into the sustainability piece. Because to me, that aesthetic and branding that you have for it, it's these very, I'm going to say like neutral colorways. Um, It just looks really modern. And I mean, it's sort of when you when you think about say tampons you always think about like the joke of like a dad or a boyfriend or a husband having to like go to the the grocery store and buy them and it being like this whole awkward thing and i'll tell you like i think any like no one would like feel at all like nervous or awkward putting these in the cart but like also i mean you literally have them on display in the video behind you and mm-hmm. i it actually looks fantastic i'm like can i get like a set of that to put behind me on my- <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, talk to me about sort of that importance of aesthetic. Like what made you like lean into that so much? Like what past experience had you had that made you think like, no, this has to look re- like just right? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess leaning in with like, what is it that I felt was missing in the market for myself? And, um, you know, strategically, I always knew that I wanted to push Joni in unconventional places where period care conventional period care couldn't show up because it's been it has those like you know taboo imagery or like hyper feminine or just ugly branding um 
And so I wanted to create something that could sit on, you know, shelves at Sephora, shelves at, you know, clothing stores where people could pick up a box of liners when they're shopping for clothing. Like, why not? Right. To get it out of the grocery store and the pharmacies. And so when we created the branding, that was definitely something that I had in mind. But also just to get away from the stereotypes, because I think that stereotypes are harmful, especially in this industry. And so kind of just flipping it over and being like, okay, well, I love walking the shelves of Whole Foods and grocery stores and and picking out a brand and being like, this is such a cool package and just like really digging into like what makes it cool? Why did I pick it up? And so I took that passion and applied it to the Joni brand. and, And that's how it was created. It was just a simple, beautiful aesthetic, but that also strategically allows us to put it into places where conventional period care doesn't typically show up. I love that. And it also leads to another market that is very much underserved, which is, uh, you know, people who menstruate. So not just like women identifying people, but anyone who menstruates. So I think, you know, the the branding on your boxes makes that feel so much more inviting, so much more for anyone, um, which I think is obviously something that's super important in, in 2022 and, you know, Mm. and is only becoming more and more important. So that's, it's such a smart way to think about it. And a lot of the stuff on the website, I actually kind of called it out in my notes here. Uh, So on getjoni.com, you talk a lot about it's for people who menstruate. So like, it's very much open to anyone who has a period it's not just this this um you know the the traditional commercial of like a you know woman running and it's like she's running on her period (laughs) yeah or you know women running through a field of flowers and we're like you know smiling and dancing or like we're playing you know tennis in our white tennis shorts because that's what we do when we have our period and yeah again stereotypical um branding yeah i mean i've learned a lot in my journey in the last three years since launching joni and i definitely didn't consider this the the fact that you know gender and menstruation are separate and but you know i am a i'm a cis woman i menstruate and so for me i even i didn't resonate with what was out there on the market because I, you know, it doesn't always have to be pink and purple. Like, why can't we make it different? And so opening up to say, you know, people who menstruate, you have a uterus, you menstruate also means that women who don't menstruate are not, you know, self-identifying. Like they're, they're women still, because even though they don't menstruate, like tying those two things together, like we're more than, than that. So I think it goes both ways. Um, and we know, we know better now. And so we use terminology that's more important. And, and, um, as a woman, I feel empowered by that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, and I mean, I think that speaks to, I know a lot of women who listen to this podcast are either going through menopause or have been through menopause. And, you know, I think that is like the, the messaging we sort of get is that after menopause, like our, our value as a woman or like our identification as a woman like changes and now we're in this different phase. So yeah, I love that, that separation to know this is just, this is just the thing that happens. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't yes. make you more or less or anything different. <laughs> totally. And like, that's like, that's so, that's such a good point. And like, even the idea that, you know, the whole, you know, women's health has just been so underserved and we, ha- we don't know enough like we don't know what causes menopause now in this day and age which is wild you know and the idea that um I I didn't know this but through my 
you know, education in my journey the last three years, like I learned, and this is, you know, kind of embarrassing to admit, but menopause is one day. We talk about menopause, we talk about going through menopause, but the menopause is one day. Menopause marks the one year anniversary of when you've had your last period. Perimenopause is the journey to that. And yet the word was not used often for me. And so like, even the terminology, and this is why terminology is so important, is like speaking about these things and um, is so critical. Um, but I, I love that. That's true. Right? And I take it back to like, there's a there was a post or something out on social about how the Golden Girls were the same age as the Friends um, woman and how it was like society at the time, like that's how they viewed, you know, 56 year old women, but like then things have changed. And I'm like, that is so true. Like I'm 43 now and I, I feel great and young and like, I don't, I'm going through perimenopause and like, I, it's just a different time now. There's no shame with it. Yes, absolutely. Ah, oh, and okay. This also like total aside, kind of coming back to the the aesthetics and the website. I loved. I scrolled all the way down, and there was a little splatter at the bottom that was <laughs> in like a rust blood color, and I was just like, mm. "This is the most refreshing thing that I have ever seen." Because if I see one more of those like bright blue liquid poured on stuff, I'm gonna scream. <laughs> and I love that you just like. It was just like this little note that just like hit me so perfectly. And I love that about your website. Awesome. I, I think it's important. Like I, I'll tell you like early on when we first launched Joni, like we didn't have any money to do photography. So I knew that I wanted to challenge the video, the visual status quo when it came to menstruation. And I wanted to post imagery that was normal to everyone who menstruates, but just like make it normal to more people. <clears throat> so I challenge myself to take photos of myself and like to take photos of my own blood clots and take photos of myself changing my pad on that. And it was hard because it's like, that's like pushing boundaries in terms of like things that we're supposed to keep quiet and not share. But I knew that if I was going to ask other people to do it, that I would need to feel comfortable myself. And so blood, I, 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 I learned to have a different relationship with my blood. And I just, that, it's interesting you say that because we get so many comments about that blood spot on the website because so many people say the same thing. It's just like, ah, yes, like we're not hiding anything here. Yeah. And I, you know, the reason I'm bringing that up, obviously, you know, a lot of our listeners, they're not necessarily starting, you know, menstrual products, companies, uh, hopefully don't, don't rip off this idea, please. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, they are starting brands and like small businesses that are sort of speaking to women. And I think mm. thinking about these little details, these things that can make people feel seen and feel like their identity is being like affirmed, I think is just so smart. And it just takes that like little bit of extra, like, okay, what's like one more little detail? What's like one more thing we can do that's different? Like, like taking the real picture of you and like mm. putting it out there, um, you know, adding the little blood spot, like all of those little things add up to this just truly authentic brand experience that I think is so much better than going to like, you know, Wix or like Square and going to like yoga studio, like template, <laughs> go. And it's like, yeah. here's all your like light sage green color and like, sa you know, sans serif font and like, okay, we're good. We're done. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's okay too. But I think that even just like taking it one step extra and adding those little details that differentiate you between, you know, what it is that you uniquely offer compared to somebody else. And, and that applies to everything. 
Um, exactly. Yeah. No, no yeah. shade to templates. Love a good template. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like not totally just plugging and playing, thinking about those little details because those are what make a difference. Um, so yeah, love that. Um, and talk to me about the the photos. So you have such a wide array of women on your social, on the website. So I mean, from from the start where you're taking pictures of yourself and being the photographer, how has uh how's the the landscape shifted since then? Yeah, so when we did our first photo shoot, um, I wanted it to be a diverse group of people. I, I always saw Joni, and never so much as like me being the face of it, but you know, the community being the face of it and showing the representation and the different imagery and the different body shapes and um, and just stories. And so I put a call out. And so we didn't use professional models. I knew I didn't want to go down that road because there's a, a level of authenticity that comes with people who are not professional models, at least for our approach um, when we first started. And so we chose to, to friends in the community. We paid them, um, you know, we compensated them, but, but I was really clear, like, we need underwear shots, you know, are you comfortable in underwear? Are you comfortable wearing a pad? And that's, you know, taking photos of that area. And so it was very clear. And one person who I reached out to, um, she, you know, self-identifies as a larger woman. And um, when I sent her the email, she sent me a note back. It's like, it's really interesting timing because she was just scrolling through social a couple of days before and she stopped on an, on a video of a woman who looked like her her body shape bigger and she was dancing and she was smiling and it hit her that she had never seen a woman of her shape being represented as happy online and it she she started crying like it was an emotional experience for her and so when I sent her that email saying hey would you be interested she thought back to that experience and she said well maybe I can be that representation for other people and she went so outside her comfort zone and one of the most popular images that we have of that photo shoot was of her belly her beautiful belly that we then um you know edited and ed not edited the, her her belly but added some um terminology to it about the you know the uterus and where everything is and that was our most popular photo because people said she looks like me I can relate to her and it's not just this like perfect landscape. And um, I think there's just so much power in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's one of those things where it's like, you're, you're both doing a good, like good thing for society here and for the community, mm. but it's also good, smart business practice. Like I, you know, I, as women, I, I feel like we're very like cringy talking about how things can be good for business in addition to like good for others. Um, when we were just at the Outspoken Summit the other week, um, we had to keep reminding women when we were talking about like, what's your why? What's your like passion? And you know, all of the whys were like, oh, you know, I want to help women feel more empowered to do. And we're like, okay, but it's okay if you want to make a living doing this. You're also allowed to oh say my that, like, gosh. your yes. reason is like to make money. Um, so yes. I think it's, it's worth pointing out, like this is also just an amazing smart business thing because if you're not if you're just showing you in the photos you're you know potentially alienating 95 percent of people if that's all they see um so it's just it's so smart <laughs> i love that and i think it's so true like the idea of women building wealth there's there's always seemed to be like we almost like choke on the words like it's almost like really hard for us to say yes i want to build wealth because it feels like ooh, but that feels like selfish but I think that it's so important, you know, 
I, that's why I love working with other female entrepreneurs because they tend to do the social enterprise things first. There's always like a give back. There's always an impact. There's always something that they want to move forward to make, you know, to that that they're connected with. But then, yes, build wealth. I want to be able to help pay myself. And building wealth isn't necessarily a bad thing, especially like for us, we give back 5% of our um, revenues to period equity initiatives. So the more we grow, the more those initiatives can grow. And there's no, I'm just like unapologetic about that because I think that there's, again, there's power in women and female businesses building wealth and having more of an impact. I mean, we all know the statistics around VCs and how much funding go to women versus, you know, to men. And that's why women need to build wealth and then be able to share it and be unapologetic about it. So when you're talking about building businesses, Absolutely. Whether that's a yoga studio or a CrossFit center, be unapologetic about it. Oh, yes. I That was just so brilliantly said. I think it's just such an important message to just drive home over and over again, because even if you are looking through the lens of like, oh, but I just want to create positive social change. I just want to do this for my community. You can do more for your community. You can continue to do this for your community if you're creating a business that's actually sustainable and like can function and is bringing in money. So it's, you know, the, the better your business is doing, the more good you can do. So, yes, you know, shout it from the rooftops here. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, the, uh, on the, the last kind of note on aesthetics that I wanted to to touch on, mm. um, actually I do want to come back to the photo thing before I get to my other last product question I had, um, back to the photo thing. So talk to me about the, to tr- like the brand or like the company growth trajectory, as far as like going from like, you're taking the pictures to put on the, the site and stuff to we're actually able to pay non-models we'll say, um, amazing women in the community. For, like to get photos taken and I assume you know working with a photographer and obviously you know you you've grown and this is no longer a one woman operation so talk to me a little bit about the the growth process so I worked at a e-commerce startup for a part of my career and I learned through that experience how critical imagery is in communicating branding and messaging and so you know while a lot of people think well it's just you know a photograph that that photograph speaks so loudly around who you are what your brand is what you support what you don't support and so um, I've always had that in mind so when yes so I started taking my own photos you know iPhone like when you're an entrepreneur you wear many hats you are a photographer you're a logistics master you're a packaging designer you do everything and so like my handy you know, cell phone was essentially how we started and how a lot of my photos are taken now for social. But um, we started working with professional photographers. Um, There's a wide range of budgets. So finding someone who I felt the aesthetic work for us and also I I could have hands on, um, you know, I could be hands on in the photo shoots as well. I thought that was really important because I wanted to be able to control the imagery so um, I would just book time with them and, and you become, you realize like you need certain product shots for, you know, certain things. You need lifestyle shots for other things, especially if you're on social and you're, you know, building, you need content is everything. So we, um, we've done that. And then we've also worked with much more, um, I've been hands off with other photographers where I've seen their work and I'm like just salivating over like the amazingness of their of their creativity and their ability to set up a photo shoot. And so I send them product um, and then um, we kind of co-create what that looks like. And then they're sending me back 
um, files. So those are typically more like e-commerce, more professional shoots that we could use for magazines and uh, we can use on our website. But, you know, social right now is a mix of like really high end, like editorial shots, but then also like day to day, like TikTok, for example, like those don't work on TikTok. You need like raw video, like, you know, take me through your day, like getting into a car. So I think it depends on the platform, but um, imagery is critical. And so I put <clears throat> a lot of value in that and I'm, and I'm willing to put a lot of, I'm going to say a lot, cause it's not like our budget is very big, but budget into creating um, really high end imagery mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you don't have great imagery, it doesn't matter how much more money you throw at marketing or ads or anything. It's not really going to work for you if you don't have the, the great shots. Um, and it's true. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, uh, when you are thinking about a photo shoot and you're trying to like, if, if say someone does have a new product, a new business, a new, let's, let's see, keep with the yoga studio, uh, construct yeah. here. Um, what would you think about in terms of like getting ready for the photo shoot? Are you making like Pinterest boards of like inspiration or like the styles of photos you want or like saving stuff on Instagram? How are you thinking about what shoot, like, what do I need? Cause I've definitely worked with photographers that are like, uh, you know, my husband and I have a coaching business. So we often have to, you know, we have to do the occasional photo shoot for it. And the guy we work with is always just so psyched that I come in with like a list of things. And then I'm like, and here's like the five outfit changes. And he's like, wow, most people just kind of like walk in and are like, can you take some photos for my business? Yeah. And often you're left, you know, those people are left being like, oh crap, I really needed a, you know, profile shot, but all we got were, you know, why, what I'd angle or whatever. Um, so yeah, how do you, how do you think through what you need? Yeah, that's a really good point. Like I learned that off the photographers I first started working with who kind of helped guide me with the thought process behind it. But logistically, you do have to think through like, what kind of imagery do I want to end up with? What does this look like? Because you only have like an hour or two hours max. And so you have to get everything done. And so typically what I would do is yes, Pinterest board is really great for um, wardrobe changes or, you know, the, 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 you know, effects and the and the vibe you want to have so that you're communicating that vibe to the photographer and they understand that. So you're on a common ground that way. But also like I need, you know, I have seven SKUs, so seven products. I need to have this many photos for each one and then having basically a spreadsheet that just lays out and we just check it off. So there's like, you know, very, not romantic in any way, but it's very logical and methodical with these are the images that I want to walk away with. Um, and if I'm thinking about a yoga studio, like, you know, everything I've done as an entrepreneur has always been led with like, okay, well, what is it that I want to see? And, you know, when I'm looking at a yoga studio, I would want to see, you know, an approachable yoga studio. I'm not a yoga master, you know, I go when I can. And so like, what is it that's going to draw me to this yoga studio and then recreate that in an image? What is going to get people to this yoga studio based on looking at your imagery? What would make them curious about learning more or picking up the phone and calling or going to your website? And those are the little details going back to what we were talking about before is you're thinking through like who's in the photos? Uh, what are we communicating in those photos? And through that thought process, you get this you know imagery that you're looking for. And it evolves as your business evolves too. Like you can get some photos in January and by December you need a whole new set of photos or you might need them every month. It really depends on what your business is and, um, and how it evolves over time. Mm -hmm. How do you balance the, the like 
need to do photo shoots and the fancy stuff with the TikTok content because I feel like in the past year that has all like suddenly every brand now needs to not only be splashing out for the high-end editorial, but now they also need to be wildly creative and do this like very budget looking stuff for it to actually like go over well. Oh, I, social is like, there's a love hate with social. I think it depends on who you are as a person. Like I tend to be more reserved. And so for me, posting TikTok videos about, you know, my day to day is not, doesn't come naturally to me. And so I actually struggle with the TikTok side of things because I see a lot of brands, you know, it's their face and their, like their business. And so they're putting themselves out there. Um, and that's one approach. And so for those people who love that, that's, you know, an easy funnel for them to fill. And it's an easy thing for them to do. Whereas I like creating beautiful content on Instagram. And, you know, that's sort of where I lean to. But so I think it depends, like, I would suggest, like, what is it that you feel natural doing? And what is it that you need help with? So maybe you work with um, a couple content creators that, you know, do videos for you a couple times a month that allow you to have representation. And also, you know, you're not pressured to be in front of the camera all the time. And you can work with a variety of budgets in that area, or you can, um, you know, I think you're totally right. Social media is an interesting one. TikTok, especially it's uh, the wild west. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for, for some people, TikTok might just not be for their audience. Like their audience might not really be on there. And I mean, we're having sort of that debate over like what age group is using TikTok and we know it's generally younger, but then it's also kind of now shifting into like almost a search engine. So there is sort of that question mark, but I think your audience is, you know, a very big chunk of them are certainly on TikTok. So it's it's sort of a weird, you do need to meet people where they are. But at the same time, I know for me, I've put like, make like, make like a day in the life of video on my to-do list. And it's been on there for like six months. <laughs> yeah. And every day, I just move it to tomorrow because I'm like, tomorrow, I'm totally going to be down to do this. Just, just not today. Today is a little rough. <laughs> I have yet to find yeah. that day. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely a struggle. Yeah. And it, it's hard, at least for me, I like, I overthink it, I think, um, oftentimes. And so I have a 13 and an 11 year old of two daughters and they're, um, I actually go to them and say, I create a video and I'm like, okay, what do you think? And they're like, well, this doesn't make sense to me. This is kind of cringe. Cringe is like always a word that they use. So I'm like, okay, good. Like, that's good for me to know. And um, you're right. Like TikTok isn't for everyone, but I think what TikTok does really, really well is it is it gives you the biggest audience. Whereas Instagram nurtures your current community, your current audience. If you want to, you know, if you're a yoga studio in a in a you know in a city, TikTok might not make sense. But if you're selling merchandise online and anyone can buy it anywhere, then it might make sense for you to then have a bigger funnel going out to more people with TikTok. So you're right. Like it depends on your audience. Okay, here's the deal. You want to take control of your health, of your life, but honestly, who has the time to go into the doctor, get the requisition for all the blood work, and then go to the lab and actually have that blood drawn, then wait weeks for the doctor to get back to you with the results? No, absolutely not. Inside Tracker is the way to go. And bonus, you can do it from the comfort of your own home with their mobile blood draw. It is so easy. Oh my gosh, so convenient, so safe, so reliable. All you have to do is when you order your Inside Tracker panel, you actually just 
add the mobile blood draw option, and then boom, suddenly you have a lab tech at your house at a time that works for you to take your blood. We did this last month, and honestly, it was the easiest experience I have ever had with blood draws in my life. So convenient, and then the turnaround on the results is so quick and instantly you get this whole view of what is going on inside you with all of the important biomarkers that you need as an athlete, as an entrepreneur, as a go-getter. So definitely, definitely check them out. Save time in your day, add time to your life with Inside Tracker's mobile blood draw. And if you visit insidetracker.com backslash feisty, you get 20% off today. That's insidetracker.com backslash feisty to get 20% off today. Have you started thinking into like ambassadors or any of that kind of stuff in terms of your marketing? Because I imagine Joni would be like a really interesting one for that. Yeah, we we have. And that has, so when we first launched, we were going down the traditional path of like, we launched with our, you know, getjoni.com, our online store. It was like literally the day before we all went into lockdown for a pandemic in Canada. So during the pandemic, we, yeah, it was interesting timing. Um, we, we, um, we're doing our paid ads cause that's just what you do as an online, um, company and the, then Apple changed, you know, their, the algorithm changed and then everyone went online and now our cost per acquisition went from like a very reasonable to like ridiculous and we had to stop. So all of our growth online has been to date very organic and that has come through, uh, through the word of mouth. And this is such an intimate product too. It's such a trust-based product that even if we scream from the rooftops, you know, it's awesome. It's awesome. We love it. It's not going to hold as much value as when someone else preaches and like talks about their experience with it. So we really lean into that with our like content marketing strategy, with our blog posts, bringing in experts, other voices. So period coaches and um, people who work within um, the nonprofit community and the period equity space and other voices that we help amplify, which then helps our SEO strategy. Um, and then, in terms of online, you know, people are getting wise to the whole influencer brand partnership thing. Like, I, of course, like you're going to promote it, you're being paid for it. So coming at it in a more authentic way, we work with people who menstruate, who are comfortable talking about their stories online in a much more longer term way. And we give them product and potentially affiliate um, returns uh, for them to share that journey. And so again, like, we want them to succeed because if we succeed, they succeed. If they succeed, we succeed. That's just like, it's just a perfect little ecosystem. So that's what we really, we will continue to lean into and what has worked well for us in this space. Uh, and on the note of getting that conversation going, I mean, it's it's a very, you know, menstruation is an awkward topic. Um, and, you know, putting that out on social, like it's, you know, we we joke, my husband and I have our consummate athlete podcast and we joke that we're like, oh, do we talk about sex enough on there? And we don't think we do. We're like, we don't. And we're like, are we, we're like that terrified of like even mentioning that. So like, it's, you know, and your period is similar thing. Like, it's just kind of this awkward thing. And, you know, it's, it's also just our bodies in general. Like whenever we're talking about something like that's in that, like discomfort of our, our body, um, and this is, I wanted to bring this up because a lot of women heading into any kind of like coaching or personal training or any of that kind of space, like, or even the more mental side, like it's really awkward having to like having some of these conversations and putting them out there and getting people to actually comment back, which is a huge part mm -hmm. of the whole social media game, right? Like if you don't have a whole, like a conversation going, you're just kind of shouting into the abyss. So 
how do you how do you get people to to weigh in? How do you how do you get the comments? Well, we do. I mean, engagement is on social is important, absolutely. And so we tend to post like one of our most popular um, blog posts and one of our most popular social posts is um, period poops. And talking about period poops, like apparently, you know, it, everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah, and but nobody talks about it. And so we take the approach of holding space for these uncomfortable conversations. And if we come at it from a place of um, being unapologetic, so menstruation is normal from like in real life, like I've had conversations with, you know, older gentlemen at grocery stores and, you know, kind of post office in like literally trade shows everywhere. Um, And if I come at it from a place of um, being unapologetic about this, then then they, I've noticed, come at it with like, a, oh, yeah, this is okay for me to talk about too. And so, I mean, I think that that is probably the big, had the biggest impact for us. Like, we talk about menstruation all the time. We talk about all the taboo topics about menstruation all the time. We're, we're desensitized to it. So I will bring up a topic and I'll be people like kind of retreating back, being like, oh, my gosh, is she really talking about this? But as soon as I, if I keep going with it from a place of, again, just being okay talking about it, then they kind of come back to me. And then they start thinking about their own journey. And then they start sharing their own experiences. And now we're having this conversation around things that we would normally not talk about. And man, that is a beautiful thing, whether that's online, um, you know, people sending us DMs being like, I have never looked so forward to my period ever. Thank you for sending me this package every month. Like it's, it, it means something to me. It's, you know, I'm really embracing my menstrual cycle now to, you know, dads coming out up, up to us in trade shows, asking us how they can support, you know, their kids who are menstruating. And like, that is just a beautiful thing. Oh, I love that. Um, and on the note of kind of taking some of the taboo out of things, one of the the things I was most excited about when I went on your website is you've recently added this new branded dispenser. Um, I have to ask, was this like, like you did work in corporate? Is that part of what made you think of it? Cause that made me think of like public washrooms at offices, how they usually have like that little like basket of like maybe a few like kind of gross old tampons or like the really big pads, like, you know, the ones that are like, yes eight inches thick <laughs> yes the encyclopedia set that you yeah yeah um yeah well it actually so this is like typical like you know business owner you you run into problems and the problem for us was um that paid ads were costing us so much money and so we thought okay well we're not going to put our marketing we're not going to put marketing dollars into this platform that's basically sucking us dry and not getting any return And so where are we going to put those marketing dollars? And we were also running into another issue where co-working spaces were reaching out to us asking if they can have our period care in them. And we're like, yes, of course, here they are. But then they're like, well, where do we put them? And so it was through those two um, situations where we were like, wouldn't it be nice if we can create Joni dispensers? And then we explored that. We're like, well, we can. And going back to like, our mission is to make sustainable period care as accessible as possible. So we call it this ecosystem of accessibility. So again, it goes back to our original strategy, but it's also a marketing engine and it also helps our impact. And it's also like a variety of different things. And so we created our three different types of dispensers. We have it like the easiest one to bring in is our like countertop dispensers where you could just put it on your countertop or the toilet top where you stick product in. And that's like super easy. And then it goes up to our 
battery operated dispensers, which are commercial dispensers. They have a 30 second wait time between them. And those are rolling into more like high traffic commercial locations. And, um, you know, strategically it's worked well for us because we're getting ahead of one, the regulation changes, which means that period care will eventually be provided just like toilet paper. So how do organizations get ahead of that? But also diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives for organizations. They speak highly of like all the things that they're doing. Well, this is a very quick solution to bringing equitable period care um, within the organization because we know the statistics. People leave work when they don't have product. People are get their period unexpectedly. We've all been through that. So um, it was just an evolution. Like some of these, I'd like to say that we knew it from the get-go since launch that this is what we were going to do. But I think the the um, some of the best ideas come from some of the challenges challenges that you're faced with, and then you're having to find creative solutions for it. So good, so smart, and I think this is you know it's not that every person listening to this is going to have this exact same situation where it's like oh here's like this obvious marketing strategy, but I do think it is like it's not an obvious marketing strategy. It's actually, it's a very outside of the the box mm. marketing strategy. Cause like you say, you could just keep throwing money at paid ads or figure out how this thing could be yeah, helpful and also marketing kind of all in one mm-hmm. thing, which is just so, so smart. So such a good thing. And I think it's pointing out that like physical, physical advertising is not dead. Like there's always these kind of unique, cool ways to do this stuff in real life. And I think we're so Instagram centric that we forget that sometimes. Yeah, and I we have to be ready to like pivot so at any time. So when, you know, everyone went online and people were doing really well with their businesses online, but what we're seeing now is like people are going are shopping in stores again. You know, and now that online component has been has reduced. So if you put all your eggs into the online basket, then you're now you're, you know, it was great for a little while. Now things have shifted. So always thinking about, okay, well, trying to get ahead of like what the trends are, what what's the what's the um what's happening in my industry, what's happening in the space, and then testing, testing, testing. That's what we've always found. So um it means that we can, you know, not put all of our budget into something until we see like, is there a return on this? Is this making an impact or is this resonating? Is this solving a problem? Um is something I've learned over the last three years, for sure. Love that. And I mean, now you actually are in stores as well. So you're in pharmacies. Is it just in Canada that you're in pharmacies or where? We are in, so we're rolling out nationally to grocery and pharmacies in Canada. And we do have some select like um, stores in the US that have picked us up and that we're trying to roll that out um, again, but primarily for the um the retail space, we're looking at Canada as our natural market. We're here. Um, and the big one for me is um, we're actually launching with a um, a wax bar in Ontario that has multiple locations. And I love that. I love the founder. She's super inspirational. But, you know, the going back to putting Joni into places outside of the traditional conventional places, this is definitely one of those. And so, um, yeah, I, I think... Again, it's like, what can we do that differentiates us from the Goliaths that are this that own this category and they've owned it for very, very long. So what is it that they can't do that we can do and then really lean into that and um, and using that as our strategy going forward? And when you when you first kind of started exploring that, like being in stores, was that a plan from like the very beginning? Did you always think 
I want our stuff to be on shelves, whether it is in like a retail clothing store or it is next to the big guys at the pharmacy. Um, and if so, like, how did you set up for that when, you know, when you are still the kind of this tiny team, how do you prep for at some point you want to be big? Or was that like a pretty big, like, oh boy, we have to redo a lot of how we do things. Both. Uh, we knew that we wanted to go into the retail channel for sure. Like online is very different than retail from the packaging to your partnerships to the pricing model. It's all completely different. We knew that going in, I had had some experience with retail beforehand. Um, so I was able to, uh, we launched in a very small way within BC with a distributor here, learned, got feedback on our pricing, got feedback on our packaging, and then was able to launch more nationally with a national distributor. But you're right, like the retail space is its own world. It's its own terminology. It has its own rules. And so it is like running three different businesses. You have your online business, you have your, we have our retail business, and then we have our dispenser, you know, um, institutional business. And so we run those while it's the same Joni brand, while we share the same values and we have the same team, we run those three different ways. Um, but I think that applies to like a, a lot of, you know, a lot of smaller businesses who have like a yoga studio who has, you know, they might have like, really popular merchandise online and like how does that get sold or they might host workshops and like that, that's a different model they might and then they do like their day-to-day -day, like fitness classes and yoga classes and that's a different model so um, I think a lot of businesses are doing that and I think that what I've learned is it's important to see what well, what how is each one doing so looking at each one both at the business as a whole holistically, but then each channel as how do we then, who is our, who are we reaching with this channel and how are we getting there and how is that doing? And then um, holistically as a whole, how is this representing us as a brand, which we're constantly doing all the time because I feel like the landscape is constantly shifting, especially in the last three years. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I really like the idea of kind of having these sort of silos for how you're thinking about the different ways that you're you're bringing in business um even though it is sort of all under one roof i think that's a really important thing because otherwise you have no idea what's working and what's not if all you're looking at is like yeah. one bottom line um, and with a with a smaller business i think it's very easy to to just focus on the one bottom line instead of the perfect example you gave is like yeah the yoga studio that might be crushing it with merch but like their afternoon classes have no one in them. But if all you're looking at is the bottom line, you might not ever notice like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have these afternoon classes that aren't really doing anything for us. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Uh, the last topic I wanted to touch on with you today is the sustainability end of things, because I know this is a huge thing for pretty much anyone making anything at this point or doing anything. This is sort of this buzzword. How does someone even get started thinking about about this <laughs> I realize it's a very broad question um well I think it so depending on the industry that you're in there's luckily there's like there's just there is a lot of innovation in a lot of different areas happening you just have to connect yourself with it with it so for us we know that a conventional pad made of petroleum-based plastic takes over 300 years to biodegrade to break down and um, there's potentially chemicals in it. We don't know the impacts of what's in the pad. Not all the ingredients are listed. So when we set out to make Joni pad, we challenged what was normal in the industry. So everyone was using organic or not everyone, but cotton 
and organic cotton was like the staple ingredient. So we were like, well, what is a what is a more sustainable option? And bamboo is a sustainable crop. It uses less water. Um, it's naturally um, antimicrobial. It just has all of these benefits. It doesn't use pesticides during the night, during the, the um, crop process. And so we were looking for suppliers who worked with this material so that we can build out the Joni pad. And same with our wrappers. Like, well, we don't want plastic-based wrappers. What are our options? Because we have to keep the pad protected. And so we were like, okay, well, let's do bio-based plastic that's actually certified compostable. So people could actually, from a um, you know convenience standpoint, cut them up and you put them in your compost in Canada. Like, okay, so while these steps are not perfect, we're not completely eliminating any waste. It is better, is it incrementally better than the conventional option out there? And that's what sustainability is ultimately moving in that direction. So if you can offer something that's incrementally better for the environment and for people, then that small step can make a huge impact. So that's what we started with. Um, and it's true, like sustainability you know, eco-friendly, like there's just so much greenwashing happening right now. And I think it's, it sometimes it's actually not even on purpose. I think people want to do the right thing, but there's just a lot of confusion in the industry. Like what's the difference between biodegradability and compostability? Like, and unless you dig into that and really understand that for your product, it would be really easy to start saying things that could be considered greenwashing. So we it's a ch constant challenge for us to be like are we saying is this, is this true do we have statistics to back it up do we have studies to back this up and then how do we communicate it in a way that um people will resonate with so why should people care because ultimately in this like not everyone's going to want to use a sustainable product if it can't afford it for one so how do we make sure that we're communicating to our audience in a way that resonates with them mm -hmm. I love that. I think, yeah, everything you just said is so spot on. It's, it's interesting. The more I've like looked into this, even, you know, recycling, as you kind of get into that, the different types of plastics and the different like categories of plastics. And you don't, no one tells you about that. <laughs> you're just like, oh, plastic bottle. Of course I can recycle this. And you're like, oh, wait, I can't. <laughs> yeah. Well, even in like, even within Canada, within the different provinces, there are different rules around recycling and there's different rules around compostability and biodegradability and so like in Toronto we know that they take used diapers and menstrual pads so you can put Joni products into the compost there they are they have the facility to break it down in BC unfortunately we don't have that yet we can put the wrappers in the compost you can't put used pads in the compost so there's like different restrictions and even when you call them it's extra confusing so I think for us and like for anyone, it's like, well, what do you know? What is a fact? What can we move forward with? And then really leaning in on there. And then we work with partners and we try to to be like, okay, well, how can we then get more information in this area? And that, again, differentiates us. Like we want to know um, more and test out our products and really challenge it because that feedback is really going to just make us better. Uh, mm -hmm. So we're totally open to that. Yeah. And I think that commitment to transparency is so important because yeah, it is tempting to just be like, we're sustainable, period. Like, yeah, <laughs> period. Yeah. Pun intended entirely. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think pe people are getting wise to that. Like people are be like, okay, well, you're sustainable, but why? What makes you sustainable? And I love that. I love how people push back on that. And that really challenges you to be like, oh yeah. Okay. I, I need more information on this. Mm-hmm.
Oh, so good. Well, I could keep talking to you about building businesses all day, but <laughs> um, before we go, tell everyone where they can find Joni, where they can, you know, check this out. And I mean, hey, if you're opening that yoga studio we've been talking about, uh, it sounds like you need a counter dispenser and products in your studio, because I'll tell you, that's one thing I love when I go to a studio. I'm like, oh, this is a nice one. When they have the little like container of like, oh, some some pads and tampons and like maybe some combs or whatever. Totally. It's a value add. Yeah. It it's totally. Yeah. Well, you could find the easiest way to find us is at getjoni.com. So we do free shipping anywhere in Canada with our subscriptions. You, you can set up a subscription that's got a cadence that, that works for you, whether that's every month, every other month, every third month. Um, and so that's an easy way to find us. You could also find us in retailers like Lennon Drugs, um, well.ca, um, Healthy Planet across Canada. And we're growing. And um, and in the U.S., we just launched our U.S. site. So for those in the U.S., getjoni.com is also available and we're shipping to the U.S. market now as well. Amazing. And it's it's really interesting talking to a Canadian brand because I'm always really happy when a brand actually like ships to Canada first now that I live up here. Uh, because it's definitely really always a bummer when you realize that, oh, shipping up here is going to cost an extra like $800 and also it's going to get duties and uh, you're just never going to get it. So... Well, when it comes to this industry too, like uh, so often Canadians are left out of the options in the menstrual care space because people just don't like we're such a smaller market. Like we have the same population as California. So a lot of brands are like, well, it's not worth it. But then that means that we're limited with choices. So we definitely wanted to, I mean, as a Canadian brand, we want to fulfill our own market. Um, but uh, shipping is wild domestically in Canada and small business owners are really suffering right now because of it. So finding creative ways to get that out there. And I think the consumers are understanding that. So um, yeah, that's definitely a big one. Definitely. As someone who occasionally ships books in Canada, I'm just like, yeah. just it costs me about 20 times as much to ship the book as it did to print it. So yeah. I feel that pain deeply. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Linda. This was so, so much fun. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Molly. I really appreciate it. It was such a good chat. Thanks for having me. All right. I hope you enjoyed that really, really great conversation with Linda. I think my biggest takeaway I got talking about how Joni does its marketing and its branding is really the importance of, especially when you're a small brand and you're against some of the big brands, and this is true of coaches, yoga studios, every every one of these small businesses in the fitness space, I think it's, it's having your point of view and being really clear on it. And I think that's what Linda has done really, really well from the color palette to like those little details like that period splash mark to just really making sure that she's reaching this wide audience that's not just speaking to the, uh, you know, woman jumping on a trampoline wearing white shorts uh, in the Tampax commercial. She's really, uh, you know, honed in on on finding this this really cool vibe, cool aesthetic, and just making, honestly, like tampons come to life, which sounds really silly as I'm saying it, but I think that's where her strength is, is, is bringing this kind of new view of period care and really making it kind of funky. So I think that's important whether you're, yeah, a small-time coach or you're trying to start your own coaching business or yoga studio or whatever, just having that distinct point of view that separates you from the big box places that are, you know, doing very similar things to you. Have that, have that what makes you different from 
both what actually makes you different in terms of, you know, using organic products or doing this certain type of yoga or this very specific type of coaching or, you know, the audience that you've chosen or even just in your branding, having those colors that are a little bit different that you are sticking to sort of throughout your social media marketing and your newsletter and all that. And I don't know, I just, I really loved how she's managed to differentiate herself in a sea of white with blue liquid. She's really, really stood out. So hopefully that gave you some really good food for thought. And you can find more on Linda and the business over at getjoni.com. So definitely check it out. All right, I'll let you get back to your marketing plan and I will see you on here next week.